welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 141 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Craig and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have a fun, kind of special edition Dynasty and Prospects listener question episode here. We've got people submitting mailbag questions throughout the day today. Thank you to everyone that submitted questions. we got a lot of them. It's going to be a fun episode. We're going to break down as many as we can in about an hour or so. Keep it right around that hour mark as we try to do every episode. And with me to do all the answering, Mr. Chris Clegg. What's going on, buddy? Not too much, man. Just another day at it. You know, got to catch some uh, good prospects yesterday in Greenville, so that was fun. Von Grissom just hit a two-run home run in his debut with the Braves, so that's cool. Literally just happened. There we um, go. Yeah, it's crazy. I can't believe they called him up, but yeah, baseball's you know it's peak right now, and I'm sad that we're only like a month and a half away from it being over. But oh, it's all good. I know baseball never stops with us, so yeah. It has to end at some point, but for us, you know, we'll talk about it all year. So, yeah, right. looking forward to the show. Thanks to everybody submitting questions. I love how the Braves are just like, you know what? Screw AAA. You guys yeah. aren't going to go up there. Remember, where's the uh, Braves triple, AAA team? I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, Gwinnett. Gwinnett, right. The Gwinnett Stripers. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, I can see Gwinnett sitting there like, hey, what about us? We, Did we you don't see get, their we, tweet? <laughs> no, I didn't. I was like, they, we, we don't they, get we, what did they say? They did the the meme with the guy looking away from the girl and looking at the other girl, and they oh, did yeah. it. With, they did it with Michael Harris first, and they did it again with again with it's like Von Grissom <laughs> and it's like us, and then it's looking at say big leagues. <laughs> that's that's pretty yeah. that's pretty accurate. It's like hey, what, can, we can't get a little uh, piece of the Michael Harris pie from a few months ago or Von Grissom? No, nothing. Yeah, the two best hitting prospects in the system. But no, th- their consolation prize, Ian Anderson. There you go. <laughs> they get Anderson back down there again. They get all uh, the failed pitching guys going down. Right. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But yeah, it was it was good. I saw you had all those live looks. That was great. You know, it was, it was a good week for live looks. I had all the looks over the weekend. You got some good live looks during the week here. It's been a been a really fun week. Unfortunately, on Thursday when you listen to this, Kyle Harrison is going in Portland, which I was all excited about. But of course, the game is at noon, and I just mm-hmm. can't make that with my work schedule. Unfortunately. So I will not see Kyle Harrison twice, but I did see him back on Saturday. So that's or Friday, whenever I Friday. So that's good at least. But we got a lot to talk about here, so let's get right into it. But but before we do, the usual housekeeping. You can find us on Twitter, Chris at Roto Clegg. I'm Eric Cross 4 and our show's at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us, and of course, check out all the other great work from the entire team over at Fantrax HQ, including our fantasy football draft kit. Those drafts are coming right up. It's second week of August, which is, it, it's, you always can tell when it's like football is creeping into your timeline. It's like, all right, summer's almost over here. It's mid-August, but baseball talk on Fantrax Toolshed never stops, people. We're always talking. We got a lot of questions to answer, so let's get right into it here. 
We'll start with some, we tried to organize these as best we could. So we'll start with one of the prospect-themed question here. We had some questions about the big guns, so we'll start there. First question, how does Corbin Carroll compare to previous year's top prospects at the time, crushing a AAA so far in the same vein as guys like Franco, J-Rod Witt, or a notch below that? You know, I think someone else, I don't know if this is the same person that asked the similar question on, on Twitter, or was that in our... It was in the Discord. Somebody Discord, asked. okay. I'm not sure if this is the same person. Maybe it is. Personally, I don't know. With comparison, in comparison to the other guys that they mentioned in that in that question, I think that's a step below. He Carroll is phenomenal. I think he could be a Trey Turner type player, fantasy first round talent with with his power, speed, and you know high average run scoring ability, all that. But I don't quite think he's J Rod or Wit. He's. I don't think there's like a massive gap though. I don't know. Do you think there's a massive gap between like J Rod and Witt and Carroll? I think he's like kind of a, like a step down, but not like a massive step. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't think it's a huge step, but it, it is a step to me. I love Carroll. I, I think Carroll is going to be a really good bat, but I just don't think he's got the elite, like first round fantasy upside of the. Bobby Witts and Julio Rodriguez. And honestly, like, I don't think anybody, any prospect does right now. I mean, I guess you could say like Churio or Ellie De La Cruz might have that upside, but I'd say it's too early to say that. But with Carroll, like, I think you can feel pretty good about who he is at this point. He's going to hit for a high average. Like, you've seen that consistently. The bat to ball skills are really good. The plate discipline skills are really good with him. So you can pretty much count on him getting on base at a high clip, hitting for a high average. I think he's you know average to above average power. So you're looking at maybe I'd say 20 home runs. I know he's already hit. You know you're gonna somebody's gonna say something. He's already hit more than 20 this year. He's hit 21. But I think he's a 20 home run type bat at the major league level. And then obviously the stolen bases are there too. He's got elite speed, but I just don't see the elite elite upside. I think he's could be like a third round caliber type bat, but not a first round fantasy bat, in my opinion. See, I do think he can get there. If, if he hits like a 90th percentile or, or higher outcome, which obviously is a small percent chance, but I do think like you're talking about pure, if everything clicks with Carol, I think he could get into that back end first round kind of conversation because like you talk about, I think he could be 20 to 25 home runs. I do agree. Power is that, you know, game power is average to above average, which is still solid. Like he's not, he's not a huge basher, but he doesn't need to be, but if, if he's going to be stealing 25-plus bags along with that with high average, high OBP, good run scored, I think he could be. I think he could be like 95% of Trey Turner and still be a back-end first-round talent. You know, maybe he settles into like a second-round area. I don't know. You know, those are always I said low-percentage outcomes. But I think if everything clicks, he could get up there. I think he's one of the – if we're talking about guys that could be for potential, everything clicks, first-round talents – I'd say he has a chance. I'd say, yeah, like I said, I think Churio could, Ellie could. Again, I agree too early to fully go there with those two. But just kind of thinking, I don't know if there's, I don't think Gunner does. We'll get to Gunner here in a second. I don't think Gunner has quite that level of upside. You know, like top 30 or 40 pick or something like that. But I don't know. I don't know. Is there any anybody else that has a remote chance in your eyes, Chris, outside of, like maybe Jordan Lawler, maybe I don't know James Wood. If everything clicks, maybe, but that's kind of like where the list ends for me. I can't go there with Drew Jones yet. 
I haven't seen him play. I haven't seen him play in the, in the minor leagues. He can't, can't go there yet. But same with Elijah Green. But I think there's like a handful that could. Yeah, I agree. There's right now. I would say there's no no one that I feel confident about. But I think there's a shot with the ones you mentioned. I think Wood's a good one to mention there. You know, it, it's still a, a real long shot. I mean, Elijah right. Green or Drew Jones could, but until we actually you know see that, I know Elijah Green debuted already in the complex at a bomb, but. You know, they're still too early to say, I think, on them. And honestly, yeah. the same I think the same can be said for Churio and Ellie Dela Cruz. It's too soon to say for sure on them what yeah. what that looks like. Is there superstar upside? Certainly, but I'm not ready to, to say that about them yet. Yeah, no, I am right there with you. And, and none of these guys I feel as confident about as I did with J. Rod and Witt becoming first round talent, which they already kind of have. Yeah. Uh, if drafts you know, so season ends today. Actually, let me bring up that tweet. I don't want to get off off a topic here, but I did a tweet earlier today. If season ended today, where would you take Julio Rodriguez in 2023 drafts? Let's see here. 27.5% said top five. 41% said six through 10. 26% 11 through 20. And only 5% 21 plus. So, yeah, he's <laughs> J-Rod's a first-round talent. Wits right there behind him. Probably be five or six picks later in ADP if I had to guess. But, yeah, I don't I don't feel that confident about any of these guys. Which leads us into Ellie De La Cruz question here. Says seems like the hype on Ellie De La Cruz is a bit out of control. Are there examples of other prospects who struck out 31% of the time in the low minors and develop in the stars? The list is very, very short. I don't know. Did Aaron Judge strike out that much in let me pull up his minor league stats here? I honestly no, don't I mean, remember. Tatis was pushing it. I mean, Tatis was you know 29.8 percent. Yeah. So I mean, I mean it's it's hard, obviously, but at the same time, it, it's kind of you can't really look at it that way, at least at least in my eyes. You know, he, yes, there's absolutely a strikeout issue, which is too much swing and miss in the profile. But you know, people that have seen Ellie, you know, I've heard that the quality of his at bats have gotten a little bit better. Not, there's not has not been drastic changes, but he's making those small incremental changes, getting a little bit better. And obviously, there's still a lot of work to be done there, but. You know, the upside with him is a even more toolsy jazz chism. I think there's more upside with Ellie. I think there's a little more power speed upside with Ellie than there is with jazz. Jazz had similar issues in terms of his, his approach and too much swing and miss outside the zone. So if Ellie can just keep making those, even if he's just 250 to 260, man, that could be a guy that pushes 30, 30. You already see him. He's on like a, what is he on? He has like 27 home runs and 38 steals or something like that. I don't have his – actually, I do, I do have his stats right here. 24 and 34 in 89 games. So he's shown that huge power speed blend. If he can just keep making those incremental adjustments and just hit 260, you know, the sky's the limit with this kid. Yeah, I mean, I was looking also – Acuna's first taste of high A, he struck out 31.7% of the time. Oh, there you go. Uh, it was a smaller sample. I mean, it was 126 plate appearances. But he was 19 getting his first taste of, of high A. So, you know, it's not crazy to think. I mean, Tatis pushed that. Acuna did that. And Acuna's you know, trending in the right direction throughout his career. As far as strikeouts, Tatis is the type of player that gets away with it, the, those strikeouts. I'm looking at Judge – I'm trying to look at a big enough sentence. Judge just didn't have let's see. No, he never did. I mean, his he struck out 28.5% of the time in triple A, but in high A it was 25.3. But it's not crazy. Like you said, I think the tools are there. I think that with what 
Ellie brings to the table that he can be fine living around 30%. I, I really yeah. do. I don't, I don't think that's going to hinder his game at all if he strikes out 30% of the time because look at what he's doing, even striking out you know, 31.2% of the time right now in double A, he's still smashing it. What he did in high A at 30.7% K rate, he was absolutely smashing it. So just think if that does correct and he does turn in the right direction, like what he could be, because he's still running. I mean, he ran a 159 WRC plus it at high A's running 137 WRC plus in double A, even with those high strikeout numbers. So we're talking about a 20 year old who's aggressive swing first taste of, you know, really, I would say it's his first pretty much full season because last year he was at the complex and then he moved to low A. So he didn't even have a full season, minor league season last year. So I'm not concerned about it really at all. I, yeah. Maybe, I, maybe that's wrong of me, but I just think the skills are that where it's, it's not concerning to me. If it, if it continues to get worse then maybe, but I still think he ends up a, a 50 hit. I really do. Yeah, when you the quality of contact being so good with him, it, you can get by with you know slightly below average context contact skills in general. So yeah, I do I kind of agree with you there. Next one, will will yeah will we see? There we go. Put on this tongue twister. Gunnar Henderson in September. I mean, I've gone back and forth on this. Gunnar has been a AAA now for. 47 games, which is the exact same amount he had in double A, at least this year. He had five last year to end the season. And he's, after a little bit of a slow start, he's been hitting very well 296, 408, 534 slash, nine doubles, nine home runs, and four steals in those 47 games with, you know, great, you know, super high walk rate, pretty solid strikeout rate, under 25%. Baltimore is sneaky good this year. I still don't know how, but. I don't know. I'm I'm still on the fence. Do you, do you lean one way or the other? What do we see? Or what, what would you put the percent chance we see Gunner this year? You know, I, I don't think we see him, but I'm not willing to say like it's a zero percent chance because crazier things have happened. I do say it's definitely I mean, below fifty percent. I'm gonna pull up how far out of the wild card picture are they? Let's see here. Baltimore. It's currently 58 and 52. Oh my God, they're four and a half games ahead of us now. This is, this is bad. Let's see, they're tied with Tampa Bay. Only two games behind the Blue Jays. They're ahead of the Twins and White Sox at this point. So these they've only got team- the second wild card spot. Yeah, I was about to say, there's the three division leaders, and then there's the Blue Jays, and then they're tied with Tampa Bay. So they are right in the playoff push. You know, if this continues, I don't think we see him in the next few weeks, but you hit September. And they're still in the second wild card hunt, and they want to. I don't know if they think they can make any noise in the postseason, but I mean, he would help your push. So I'll say, I'll say forty percent chance. Yeah, I was kind of leaning in that thirty to forty range. I I wouldn't be surprised, but also wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see him because yes, yeah, I don't think the Orioles have been aggressive with promotions at all. So. I don't know. I mean, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I'm not willing to say, like, I definitely feel like he, they're going to. One last thing I'm going to check here before we move on. How much time at AAA did Adley have? He had combined total. He had what's that, 12, 12 uh, he had 55 games in AAA. So 238 plate appearances. Gunner is not far behind there. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me, but... 
Yeah, so I, it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't either, and they just want to hold them out until next year. But we'll see. Anything's possible. Baltimore's winning games for some odd reason this year. All right, next one. We get a couple of Von Grissom questions here on the day of his call-up, and as Chris said, he's already hit his first Major League home run. Very exciting for, for the him. It says, what is Von Grissom's upside? Do you have any player comps? Any other question? How excited are you about Von Grissom getting the call today? Chris, I'll throw it over to you first as the Braves fan. How excited are you for Mr. Von Grissom? I was going to be a little more conservative with my outlook this year. I mean, I think Michael Harris coming up is a rare exception of what he's done. And, you know, I I feel like he was a little bit ahead of where Grissom was developmentally. But obviously the Braves felt comfortable enough and, and he pimped that home run, had a professional bat flip on it too. I don't know. I mean, what does his upside look like? I think you're looking at potential maybe above average power. I think it's kind of above average tools across the board when you're looking at Grissom. He's not really a standout in any one place. I will, I don't think, but I think he's like 55 to plus hit potentially that the plate discipline skills are really good. The contact's really good. He doesn't chase often. The bat to ball skills are awesome. So he's got that going for him first and foremost. I mean, He's had a 324 average this year, 405 OBP, 14 home runs, 27 stolen bases. That was obviously before the call-up. He's shown this impressive contact ability throughout his time as a pro, just extremely good. He's hit the ball hard. He's had some good exit velocities. His max is 113.2, which I think is pretty good for someone young his age and 21 years old, looking at this kind of power that I think he could get to. I'd say it's above average but maybe the chance to get two more and the speed. It's interesting because he's a really big frame. Like you look at him, he's a big boy. He's like six, three two ten, with a little more room to fill out. And you wonder like how much is he going to run, but he's continued to still bases at a high clip. I'm pretty curious what, you know, exactly he does at the major league level as far as stolen bases. But regardless, I think he's, going to contribute close to double digit steals at least early on in his career so there's plenty of upside player comps i just tend to avoid altogether i'm sorry i know that's popular everybody wants player (laughs) comps but i just i just prefer not to i i don't have a good one i'm not good with them and nor do i like the unrealistic expectations because player comps are the reason that jason dominguez is hyped like he is because you know Bo Jackson, many Mickey Mantle and Mike Trout. But yeah, it's a little crazy. Yeah. And I know that, you know, player cops in general should be more conservative, but I just tend to avoid them honestly. And so I don't have a good one and I'm just gonna avoid trying to to give you a good one. So I am excited about the call up, but we'll see where it goes. I think he's gonna have a spot until Ozzy comes back. If he hits enough, he's gonna stick in the lineup somewhere. I don't know how other than DH because he's not Taking Dansby's spot at short, he's not going to take Riley's spot at third. Riley's not bumping to first because Olsen's there. I don't see Grissom playing outfield either, so it'll be interesting. But uh, if he hits enough, he could stick long-term, I think. Yeah, as a non-Atlanta Braves fan, I'm very excited, too. I, I've always kind of really liked Vaughn Grissom. And a little fun fact about him, he was high school teammates with Riley Green at Paul J. Haggerty High School in Oviedo, Florida. So a little fun fact there. Both in the 2019 draft as well. Green fifth overall. Grissom was the 11th round. So great value there, obviously. Yeah, I really like Grissom. Yeah, I don't have a comp for him either. I'm kind of with the I suck at comps unless it's like 
a smack you in the face comp or it's blatantly obvious even then it's like i don't know if i like it. especially for a guy like young like this so they're a little old like like kirby i've comp kirby Aaron Nola. kirby's kind of starting to establish himself i feel better about making that comp now grissom who knows but just in general like the tools all around like chris said this is not that one wow tool that you know that's gonna dazzle you but he just does everything very well i think he could flirt 2020 early in his career if everything clicks with a good average and he's hit 324 this year in the career for the minor leagues in 227 games he's a 315 hitter with a 402 obp low strikeout rate as well it's everything you want to see from you know really any prospect i see a middle infield prospect is there so yeah i think i i have a little more confidence in him because he has like those the good contact skills, good on base skills, a good approach. You know, it worked with Harris. I'm not saying it's going to work with like that with Grissom, obviously. But Atlanta saw something in Grissom. They saw this, you know, something probably similar in Harris, and to signify he's ready. And I think they think the same thing with Grissom. So we'll see. He's got to get some run here. Albie doesn't do back for well, at least in a few weeks at the absolute early, or maybe even a month. I don't know. It's, I don't think he's progressing too quickly. But yeah, he's going to be very exciting and worth a you know 12 team pickup here for redraft leagues and long term very very good dynasty buys i think the the perceived value hasn't quite caught up to the actual potential value that grissom has so good dynasty buy for sure a couple pitchers here that were had a question on bobby miller said a tough year along with dl hall i'm doing a complete rebuild should i trade them or stay patient so i'm assuming this person has both of them it's hard i would if I were to sell one of those two, I would probably lean towards Hall just because I think you can still get a pretty good return on DL Hall. He's been the big prospect name for a while now. I think many of us prospect people have pumped him up at one time or another, including myself. Like I've said, he, he has he's top five talent in terms of pitching prospects if command and control weren't a thing. Unfortunately, they are. That hasn't gotten better this year. He's got 44 walks in 70 innings this year. I assume uh, 45 and 77 and two thirds. And that equates out. He's a 13% walk rate. So that you can't get by with, like at least not for long. doesn't matter how good the stuff is. You know, I've been hoping Baltimore could turn him around as I have faith in Baltimore. They're a good player development organization, but it just hasn't gotten better. And it's actually gotten worse to some degree. So, with, and with Miller, real quick before I throw it over to Chris, you know, he's kind of been underwhelming. That's why the you know the gap between him and you know Gavin Stone has really kind of shrunk this year. Overall, you look four eighty four ERA. He's pitched better of late. He had, I think he had eleven strikeouts the other night. So overall, surface stats still aren't the greatest, but he's got better command and control than Hall does. Hall has the higher upside, but I would I actually would try to maybe buy low on Bobby Miller right now. And if you have them. I'd hold Miller, maybe see what you can get for Hall, but don't be in a rush to trade either of these guys because the talent is very high and they're in good aura for player development. So I wouldn't rush to sell, but if you can get a good return on on Hall or even, even Miller, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Just in general, I'm not going out looking to to sell low on prospects, I especially guys like this. I, I think that you're right. I, if one to sell is probably D.L. Hall because – the stuff's so good. Like the strikeouts are there. I think Hall's got arguably the best stuff in the minors of any pitcher, just pure stuff, but the command control is not good. So that's always going to hinder him. Miller, I'm a little less worried about. I think that 
you know, he's going to come back down to earth and be fine. I, you look and he seemed to have performed better under the hood, at least like, you know, FIP is three, five, seven looks a lot better. And then 30% strikeout rate, 8% walk rate. We can live with that all day long. So I trust the Dodgers development with arms too. So I'm going to say hold Miller. If you can trade hall, but I wouldn't trade him for anything less than a, another top 100 prospect, honestly, or you package him and try to get a major league winning piece. But in general, I'm just not going out and like selling low on guys like this personally. Yeah, definitely don't sell low. Here's an interesting thought, though. I was trying to think of some guys that have kind of some arms that have vaulted top 100 recently. If someone came up, if you had DL Hall and Dynasty League Chris, and someone came up and was like, all right, I'll give you Tink Hens. Yeah. I mean, what, I what would your answer be? Right. I think that's fair because they're, Hence is trending up, and then you have Hall trending down. And I, I could see them being ranked similar spots in you know next update. So I, I'm totally fine with something like that. What about uh, someone offered you Gavin Stone? Yeah, I take Stone. I, I like Stone enough. I think Stone's better pitcher than Bobby Miller, honestly. Yeah. What about and uh, okay, no, that's probably it. No, those other guys <laughs> that makes makes sense. Uh, either they're too low or have as much risk as like Cole Henry has as much risk as anybody with his injury. So. But yeah, that, that, that's a great question. Those have been definitely two interesting, obviously talents there for both those guys. But have their each of them have their issues terms of performance or, or engine deal? You know, DL Hall has had some injuries as well. So yeah, don't definitely look to sell. But if you can get a good offer, like I said, Chris, that top one hundred guy that's you know a little more safe on the rise, you know, whatever it may be, that could be something I would consider doing here. Next question here: What? There's going to be uh, chasing ceiling for dynasty. Thoughts on these guys? If you had to pick just one, which one? They list four. Giddy Cappy from the Miami Marlins. Which I love that name. Giddy Cappy. That is one of the most fun names to say in the minor leagues. Gabriel Gonzalez from the Seattle Mariners. Christian Encarnacion Strand from the Minnesota Twins. No, wait a minute. Where did he just get traded to? Cincinnati, excuse me. And then Heriberto Hernandez from the, where is he now? Miami, no, Tampa Bay. Gee, he keeps moving, well, not Texas anymore. Tampa Bay. Chris, who I think I know your answer to the. Actually, I don't know if I know your answer to this. For upside, mm, I'll go Gonzalez. Kind of lean Gonzalez. Harry Berto is the easy bottom by far. Like, <laughs> he's like three tiers below the rest of them. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, though. You, you've never really been a, a big Harry Berto guy. You know, I've seen him a lot. And you know, at one point, three years ago, I really liked him. Like, I liked him before. He became popular. And then when he became popular, I was like, I saw him. I'm like, uh, he's kind of <laughs> like, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I've kind of been out on him. I mean, I don't know. He's he's three tiers lower than anybody else here. Gonzalez, I think, has the most upside here. I think he's got the most consistent feel to hit. And maybe like counting stats wise, like if you're talking about upside from like a power speed standpoint, it might be giddy cappy. Like he has already shown that speed this year and power. And I think that he's capable of being plus at both. And I'm not sure Gonzalez doesn't have as much speed. He could get to plus power, but I think I trust Gonzalez played approach a little better. Mm. Encarnacion strand is just going to be massive, massive power, I think. And he's going to be, I think he's still a little underrated, honestly. I think he's going to really rake in Cincinnati, and it's a great fit for him. So I'm excited about that. But overall, I would say I would lean Gonzalez for a little bit more safety, but 
I could see Yiddy being the most upside from a power speed standpoint. Yeah, I think in terms of this pure ceiling for fantasy purposes, it's going to be down between Yiddy Cappy and Gabriel Gonzalez. I think Ancanasio and might be the safest bet you know, out, of, out of these four for fantasy production. Like, I think he's a bit more advanced than the others. He's got, you know, a good solid uh, hit tool, great power, obviously. So I'd say he's probably the safest, but like this question was chasing ceiling. Yiddy Cappy or Gonzalez, I say Eileen Gonzalez. I think he's a little bit better all around. Cappy has very, very high upside as well if everything clicks with him. But I will go Gonzalez here. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break now to get a word from our sponsor. We will be right back. Support for Fantrax Toolshed is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping using the code TOOLSHED at manscaped.com. The Performance 4.0 Package by Manscaped has arrived, and it is a game changer. Inside this package, you will find the Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear Nose hair trimmer, the crop preserver ball deodorant, the crop reviver toner, the performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. So many tools for your shed that you need today. Lawnmower 4.0 is a trimmer of the future grooming and dare I say the greatest ball trimmer ever. I'm absolutely blown away by its performance and craftsmanship. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof so you can use it in the shower and say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor and also has a 4000k led spotlight that you need for your most precise shaves and you thought that was good but manscapes taking you grooming to the next level because in the 4.0 package the weed whacker nose and ear hair trimmer can take care of all those hairs and those delicate holes it also has proprietary skin-safe technology to reduce nicks, snags, and tugs, and is also waterproof. The Crop Preserver ball the, Below the Waist Deodorant and Crop Reviver Below the Waist Toner will change the way you approach your daily hygiene routine. Manscaped will even throw two free gifts in this Performance 4.0 package for you, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and your boxers to the next level. It's time to take care of yourself. Get some new tools for your shed. So go to manscaped.com and use the code TOOLSHED to get 20% off and free shipping. That's right. Don't miss out on this exclusive offer. 20% off and free shipping using the code TOOLSHED at manscaped.com. All right. Welcome back from the break. We got a handful of more prospect questions before we get over to the MLB-focused questions. Next one here. This is a fun one. What pop-up prospects are you keeping a close eye on in complex leagues? I'm assuming they strictly meant complex leagues, not the you know the DSL. So you know, there's a few that I've bumped up pretty high at my rankings. Like the the biggest jump uh, was Glader Figuero Figuero. I'm not fully sure how to say that name. I got to figure that out. I'm going with Figuero for now. Uh, third base prospect from Texas so far. 17 extra base hits in 30 games, seven home runs, seven steals. You know, K rates under 30% right now, 274, 368, 613 slash line. Now he's been a, a big breakout there. Uh, Gabriel Gonzalez, he's moved up a level now, but he was a big breakout. 
this year, but everyone kind of was already on Gabriel Gonzalez. Figueroa has been a one that's kind of popped up that wasn't really on the radar of many. I sort of like deeper dynasty leagues this year. See another one, kind of a solid speed guy, a little bit of power, but Jason Morabel, center fielder, hitting 331 right now, three home runs, four steals, but also was been caught five times that's not the greatest last one here for i'll throw over to chris with some names carlos jorge from cincinnati seven doubles five home runs 22 steals already he's running wild he's drawing a lot of walks but the k rate is a bit high as of now but 273 average 419 obp you know obviously cincinnati could be a great place for him to play down the road if he makes it to the major leagues which i think he could but those are just some names here i'll look for some more that on my list here but chris who are some names you got on your list yeah, Jason Vina is one. Milwaukee, he's been really good. He has 10 home runs so far. On top of that, eight doubles and a triple. So that's been encouraging. See, he's had two stolen bases on top of it, hitting for solid average with a good OBP, 436 OBP. His OPS is the highest at the complex level at 1066. So that's pretty awesome there. Obviously, the ones you mentioned as well. I'm going to mention Miguel Blaze. I was about to say, I totally forgot about that. Say him. Yeah. Yeah. His, his amount of extra base hits is kind of nuts. He has 14 doubles, three or four triples, excuse me, and five home runs, a 302 average. I was talking to someone who just believes that he's going to be like an absolute stud with the bat. And uh, Baseball America's bumped him up in their top five in the Red Sox system. Sox prospects has him six, I think. So a lot of people are getting on board with him and, you know, sites that see him regularly. So, yeah, it's time to get on board with Miguel Blaze before the time is gone. I think he's one. Do you have any others right now? I'm continuing to look. None that are really, you know, yeah, I think that's probably it for names that I'm like really keeping an eye on so far. Yeah. If you go to the DSL, you know, there's a couple we can look at too. I think at the DSL, you're looking for these guys that are 17 that are really standing out. And, you know, Everybody's going to go to Lazaro Montez, and rightfully so. I mean, he's been really good, but Montez is also running a 35% strikeout rate, which is pretty crazy bad at that level, honestly. Yeah. Like, that it's scares not, me. It's not good. No, yeah, that, he, he's a beast, though. Like, yeah. He's like NFL linebacker, like oh, Yasiel, yeah. Yasiel Puig size already. It's, it's he's huge. That, that's that's why I was so high on him you know, last year. I think I probably had him a bit higher than most in like FYPD rankings when I throw in my all the all the J2 guys because he's just that's huge power speed blend, he, big athleticism. Everything about him is just big in terms of tools and size. So he's always intriguing. But yeah, that carry is kind of uh, a concern so far. Yeah, I'd watch Jose Rodriguez with the Twins. He's pretty intriguing. He's tied for the lead in home run so far, and he has five stolen bases on top of a 296 average. Jose Gerardo is one that I've kind of been all over. I, I wrote him up as one to buy. He's another one. Ten home runs and 14 steals, 298 batting average as well. He has a bit more of a strikeout issue, so that is something to monitor. He struck out 50 times. But for reference, Montez has struck out 66 times. So it is something to keep an eye on, but there are a couple guys in the DSL like that, that, that are worth monitoring. Yeah. And some other names, you obviously Michael Arroyo yeah. uh, from Seattle is a good one. Yasser Mercedes from the twins. I'm just kind of quickly, it's like scrolling through my, my list here, trying to find some of these other. Yeah, Kiner Delgado with the Yankees. He, I found some film on him and he reminds me of Jose Altuve. He's small, but he can smack it. He's got a 1057 OPS right now. 
but he just has that bit. He's a switch hitter. He has a big leg kick like Altuve does. He really kind of gets his body into it. Mm-hmm. And he's he's got, I mean, 28 stolen bases for one, but he had three home runs, but he does have a 534 slug, which is encouraging. So 316 average, gets hits the ball in the air a lot. I like Connor Delgado. Yeah, that's that's another good name as well. He's one that's in my top 400 now, too. So I think, I think that's plenty of names here. We'll go on to the next. Hopefully that was helpful. We'll go on to the next question here. What are your expectations for Kerry Carpenter making his debut today for Detroit? Chris, you a Kerry Carpenter guy? I feel like that Tigers have a lot of these guys that have kind of like popped up, and I just don't really know what to make of them. Like, yeah, he's been good, but really I was much older for the level, you know, fixing to turn 25 in just a in just a little bit of time so i mean the numbers don't lie he's hit for a ton of power he's hit for good average it's interesting because he went from a 27.5 percent strikeout rate in double a down to a 12.3 percent strikeout rate in triple a it's interesting to see i don't really see that sticking but i don't know he's one that i'm just not sure sticks like in the lineup i i don't know i don't really have much interest from a fantasy standpoint there's some intriguing pop but i don't i really don't think he gets for enough average to be fantasy relevant yeah i'm, I'm kind of there with you i i don't i don't even trust detroit's player development that much right now anyways a lot of a lot of misses over the years or guys that kind of haven't fully met their expectations but hey that's the world of prospects but would you rather have him or Matt Mervis, who's kind of been breaking out in the Cubs systems? Kind of a similar, you know, a little bit older breakout in, in the high minors here. Do you have a preference between Matt Mervis or Kerry Carpenter? I mean, I guess Mervis, but in particular, not really either. I, yeah. I just don't think – I like, there's older guys that put up big numbers in the minor leagues often that don't – not everybody's Max Muncy. You know, they come on late and early. I think – Mervis has a little bit more power, honestly. So at least from that standpoint, like I'll lean that way. I think Mervis has a little better feel to hit as well, even though his averages have been lower. I just trust his plate approach a little more. And obviously the power I, I would give to Mervis too, despite what the numbers tell you. I mean, looking at the numbers, you'd probably lean Carpenter, but I'm leaning Mervis. I'd probably lean Mervis as well. I, I think, you know, Wrigley Field is a better place to hit than Comerica is. You know, you get the wind blowing out, nice summer days, and you know, we've seen the ball fly out of Wrigley Field. I think he's a slightly easier path to playing time, like 100%, like full-time playing time, I should say. And, you know, Frank Schwindel, he was a fun little story, but he's not the long-term option. I'm not saying Matt Mervisay is either, but I, I can see him breaking in, and even not this year, but early next year. Yeah, because I'm I'm just watching the Von Grissom home run here. Oh my word! <laughs> hey, that pimp, thing pimp. it it cleared the monster. Obviously, it was in Fenway Park because you know Red Sox suck. I'm not I'm not bitter or anything. But yeah, it's off Darwin's on Hernandez, who is just absolute trash. Oh my! And I'm not taking it away from the home run, but Darwin's on has just been absolutely terrible. So I wasn't not surprised. I, I don't have the game on right now, uh, but I'm not surprised that it was off Darwin's on, who just likes to groove <laughs> fastballs. Or when he's actually throwing strikes, he just grooves fastballs and. He doesn't throw strikes that often, so I think his ERA is like 22 over the last like two weeks or something ridiculous. But yeah, that was whew. I've already watched it like 14 times in a row. Is that bad? No, I just keep watching it too. It's ridiculously good. It is. It is. Yeah. Good. The one I'm looking at is from MLB Pipeline at MLB Pipeline on Twitter. So I'm sure you know the Braves have tweeted it. Others have tweeted it as well. I'm sure Chris, you probably retweeted it or something. But yeah, that that is a nice looking uh, home run there. I. Von Grissom's going to be a very solid player. Maybe not a star, but he's going to have some 
a good MLB career. I, I have a I have a hunch. All right. Okay. Let's start watching that video. Where are we at here? All right. Next is Alexander Ramirez of the Mets, a prospect that could rise up the ranks in the in the coming year or two. He already has, really. I'm. I don't. Chris, where do you have uh, Alexander Ramirez of the Mets? Obviously, not not the Angels. Yeah. Big, they used to be closer in rank, but not anymore. You know, people every time post a an updated top four hundred, he's always the one that I get some some pushback on people like, Oh, why didn't you go higher? So like right now, last update, he was one Oh seven since then. He's actually 100 on the nose right now. I think people have, have him a bit higher than that. I mean, I've, I see there's, it's a good profile. I'm just not wowed by it. I think there's, you know, a solid power speed blend. He's shown a good feel for hitting. Like, again, he's not one that I think is going to stand out in any one area, but I don't know, Chris, where do you have him in your rankings? Yeah, I have him at 80 and okay, so a little bit higher, but not, not a ton yeah, higher. I wonder if it's a touch high because you know, I have his data from the FSL because you know you can get that through Savant game feeds. And obviously he's not in the Florida state league anymore, but it, the numbers are just okay. Like he had 181 balls in play. You know, his 90th percentile was right over a hundred miles an hour. So not great. His average EV was 86.6, 30% hard hit rate, 69% contact rate. And what scares me is a 42% chase rate with him. And obviously, you know, still young and developing, but you know, chasing like that, you might can get away with at a lower level. But if that continues, you've already seen the strikeout rate go up in high A. And that's gonna trend upward more as you face more advanced pitching that are really fooling you. So He's going to really have to get that in check. The things that he does well is he does hit a lot of line drives, and that's encouraging. I think that's really helped boost up his batting average. Really healthy distribution of line drives and fly balls, and he doesn't hit the ball on the ground a ton. So I think that's kind of propped him up a bit, helped him run some higher Babips. I'm intrigued by the tools, but I'm not, like you said, kind of wowed by the profile at all. I I don't know how I'd grade him out or what I'd kind of expect from him long term, but I would say he's probably slightly below average hit if he continues to chase like that. The power could probably be above average and the speed probably end up being close to average long term just based on his frame. So I like him. I'm not like crazy about him though. Yeah, that's right. Okay, he's, he's he's a top one hundred guy, back end top one hundred guy. Maybe he can get to top fifty ish, but I don't see him, you know, ascending to top twenty five. But to answer your question, yeah, I, I can see him rising some more. He already has risen, probably even a lot more on other people's rankings. I think I've seen him top fifty already in some spots. I, I I'm not ready to go there. I don't think there's that type of profile with him. But you know, he's a good prospect. I'll I'll, I'll leave it at that. Next one here. All right, you guys seem to agree on most prospects, and if there is a dis- if there's a disagreement, one of you usually talks the other one into it. Who are a couple of prospects you generally disagree on? I don't know who's some prospects we, we don't agree on. I know just off the top of my head, I don't know. Why I thought the same. You and I were pretty far apart on Matt Brash. Yeah, if, if I recall, but that's not. I don't know if that's a great example. It's the first one I thought of. Yeah, I'm trying to go through. Like it's hard. Yeah, we probably should have put our rankings side by side. I know it's not a great way to do that, but I'm much lower on Zach Veen than you, but after watching him more in the futures game and after that, like he's, he's looked good. So have you seen the hair? Yeah. Have you seen Veen's 80, 80 on the hair for sure. 
good good stash as well. Yeah. He, he's got the bump to double A, which is pretty sweet yeah. too. I I'll be able to see him. I think they come here in like I think the last week of August. I want to say so. Hopefully, I'll get some live looks at Zach Veen. Hopefully, Tovar is back, but then he's been out for a bit. But yeah, yeah, that'd be nice to see that both of them together. That'd be really sweet. No, uh, we're we're pretty far apart on George Valera, but I don't know if that's more of a you know, OBP versus non OBP list yeah. thing or what? But. Yeah. I mean, naturally he's higher in OBP. I mean, the swing I think is really, really good. And I think, I think the upside certainly there and I, the OBP factor kind of gives him that boost. So from that standpoint, I guess I am a little bit higher on him. I'm I don't know. This, I'm scrolling yeah. through your list right now. Yeah. I see one that we're pretty far apart on. What's a good name here? I don't know. There's not. I mean, obviously, we have our, our disagreements, but yeah, Chris and I do have similar ways of thinking for certain things. But I'm trying, to, trying to find us a great. I'm a little bit higher on Mick Abel than, than Chris is, I think, at this point. So I just looking at the rankings. You've, you've dropped Kate Cavalli down, Hunter yeah. Brown. Orvis Martina. I think we were on Orvis. You've dropped the Orvis down a bit as well. Yeah. Is there anybody else that you can think of that you're just like really high on that I'm not high on or vice uh, versa? I don't know. I've considered bumping Oscar Colos way up. Like, I don't know how high, he, but he's he's toolsy. I don't know. I think yeah. there's, there's a, he is a big risk reward there with, with him for sure. Yeah. Gosh, I don't, off the top of my head, I don't really know. Let's see. I'm just, I know we were pretty far apart on Eric Brown in our yeah our FYPD rankings, but you know it's pretty early it's, on for that. Right? Yeah, so early with him, it's hard to to say for sure. I, here's one: I'm probably eighty to ninety spots higher on Michael Massey than you are. Yeah, I just think there's good feel for hit there, good pop, a little bit of speed. I think he could be like a flirt with like 2010 something like that with a good average i, I like kansas city's hitting development recently so i might be a little high on him but i'm definitely a fan so i think that's where we we differ a bit there who else here i'm still higher on hank i saw you have emerson hancock at 208 i still have him probably i think he's around 120 ish for me so i think that's another one we differ on a good bit there yeah you said you're higher on hancock yeah, yeah, I've faded him pretty hard. I don't know what to make of him at this point. I'm kind I mean, of he's almost. Been okay. He's been solid this year, kind of like not bad, not great. I think the ERA is in like in the mid twos, but his K rate's still pretty low. So it's making yeah. him okay. I'm much lower on Chase DeLauder than you, and I like DeLauder, but I'm not uh, top uh, fifty on him. I, I I have planted my flag with, with DeLauder. I know we talked about it recently, but like. He's just a more toolsy Colton Cowser to me. I, I love the louder. I will plant that flag all day. I've seen, I, I even a, I asked a, another prospect analyst. I'm not going to say the name, but it's kind of like, I was like, I was like, Hey, what am I missing on? And this is somebody that's, I respect who has been doing it a lot longer than I have. I le- I've learned a lot from this person, but I was like, Hey, is there anything I'm missing on, on chase to louders? I see that I seem to have them a lot higher than you know, a lot of other sites, you know, other analysts or even like sites like, you know, baseball America or, or pipeline or, or whatever. And it's, it's not so much the, I said, is it just a small school thing? Kind of like with cows or he's like, oh, not so much more. So, you know, the swings, some evaluators don't like the swing can be a bit busy, but 
you know, I think this is so much power speed there. Good feel for hit, good approach. I just, I'm all in. So yeah, I will, I will definitely plant that flag on Chase Delauder. Ride or die, baby. Yeah. I've seen another one. I've Nick Gonzalez for me is outside the top 100 at this point. Really? Um, yeah. I had concerns about him last year when I saw him several times. He just can't hit a high fastball. And that concerned me. And then this year has just been, I know injuries and stuff, but it's just not been good. So I've just faded. I'm not sure what he gets to. I, he, he had such a good track record in college, and it seems weird to me that the whiffs are where they are at this point. But, it's yeah, he he's one to me. I just really struggle with what to make of him at this point. So I'm kind of just faded him enough now where I'm kind of selling if I have him. Yeah, he's definitely a tough one. I, I haven't moved him down. I've been hesitant to move him down a ton, though, because – for one, I, I like Pittsburgh's player development. I think I've Ben Charrington there, who's always been a great player development player development mind. Excuse me. You know, I think they have a, a solid track record recently. You know, they, they don't have a lot of lot to show for it at the MLB level, but they have a good farm system. I, I've heard good things about their org in terms of player development. So that keep gives me some some hope, glimmer of hope there. And yeah, the K's were up. He's been injured this year. So I, I have kind of slightly adjusted expectations with Nick Gonzalez. But then again, I still think there's, you know, 20 plus home runs, double digit steals. I still think he'll find, you know, enough average. I think he'll be, maybe he's not 280, uh, but maybe he's more like 260, but that could still play from middle infield spot and he's not going to have much in his way. So that's why I kind of haven't bumped him down. I, I, I see, I definitely see your, your, your concerns there. And I have them to uh, similar, you know, maybe a lesser degree, but you've seen him live too. We saw him in the just, AFL, so yeah. And, and you saw him again this year, haven't you? Or before yeah, you heard? I, not in Double A. I saw him last year in High A several times. Oh, that's what it was last year, High A. And then we yeah. saw him. How do you do that? AFL. Yeah, uh, I can't remember what he what he did. I he mean, probably, I think he had a few hits, if I recall. Yeah, I remember he hit an oppo one off the wall of Double. Oh, that's right. That, yeah, yeah. There, there wasn't a lot of memorable stuff from him, so that's. I don't know. I'm going to look and look at his plate discipline numbers, actually. I'm just curious. The strikeouts are high. Ooh, 61% contact rate. Well, that's not that great. That's, uh, <laughs> that's rough. 39% whiff rate. Yeah, that's that, That's what my concern is. Like, just he, he He's a better contactor. That's what I don't understand is that we I know that he's better than that because we've yeah. seen it. We, we've seen the track record, but right. it's, it's tough. I don't know. I don't want to kill too much more time on that. Maybe we can just do an episode where we we kind of cover this. We look at guys we have differing yeah, opinions I, on. And yeah, I think that. we've we've had enough on that one. Yeah, we got to keep keep the keep it rolling here. We'll probably do another episode on that. Maybe a Patreon or something. We'll see. Let's go a little quicker here. You already did that. So if you were trading two or three prospects in your twenty to sixty range, what type of MLB talent could you expect in a return? It's kind of a hard question to answer yeah there's a significant talent gap from 20 to 60 so yeah like like, on where they are who's 20 so for me 20 right now is francisco alvarez and 60 is alexander canario so yeah there's there's a gap there between 20 and 60 for sure yeah i mean so let's just say hypothetically let's just meet in the middle and say two prospects ranked around 40 so i'll just say like a Brennan Davis and a Brady house. Like if I was trading both of them, what would I expect back from MLB talent wise? It's just so dependent. Like every 
league is so different too. It makes it really tough, in my opinion, to you know, give a great answer to that. But I would still expect a solid return. I don't know. Sorry, I just I really don't have a great answer as to what to get because, like, I think a lot of league context matters. Honestly, there. Yeah, no, it definitely does. But yeah, that's one thing. You know, obviously, reach out to us if you're a member of our Patreon as well. I definitely ask us there. We always answer those questions in there as well. But yeah, it's kind of you just gotta open up that dialogue, see and see what see what's a good fit. But definitely, yeah, context matters for sure on that one. So it's kind of hard to answer, unfortunately. All right, so moving. We got a handful of MLB questions here. Starting off with, is Josh Naylor a viable first base option in a sixteen-team dynasty league? Does he have another gear? Could he be a top ten at the position next year? I don't. I like Josh Naylor. I don't love Josh Naylor. I think he's maybe top sixty. I think he could be in that settle in in that kind of that range. Like this year, he's two sixty nine, fourteen home runs, and thirteen three hundred and thirteen plate appearances. You know, quality of contact metrics are are solid. They're above average. They don't stand out. The approach is is good in terms of the strikeout rate. Doesn't walk a whole ton, so I'll never be a big OBP guy, but. I think he could be, you know, 270, you know, 20, 25 home run bat, add in a handful of steals. He's, I feel like I'm describing Nate Lowe, or sorry, Nathaniel Lowe. So I don't know, maybe a solid corner infield guy. I don't know if he's ever a starting first baseman, though. Yeah, he may be in like a deeper league, but honestly, like, I think he's good, but I don't, I think he just was so hot at the beginning of the year. Like the expectations got really high on him which the contact skills are there. He's an excellent contact hitter. He's going to hit for average. I think he probably settles in as like a solid average that hits 20 home runs. So he's good, but it's not like a, a great first baseman, honestly. Yeah, totally agree there. The next one here, got a couple of Dodgers ones. Those kind of lumped together. First one, why do the Dodgers have blind loyalty to Turner and Muncie? I will answer that one simply. They've helped them win a lot. That is, they've been good players. Like maybe we don't like it for fantasy because, you know, we want Miguel Vargas up there or whatever, but Turner's been good for a long time and helped them win. Same as, you know, Muncie's hasn't had the greatest year, even though he's turning around lately, but these guys have helped them win and have been very, you know, they've been key cogs to what the Dodgers have accomplished over the last handful of years. So I think that's why simple answer there. And it involves money and performance. And I mean, even last year, Justin Turner still hit 27 home runs with a 278 yeah. average and a 360 win MVP. Like his real life value is really good. Didn't he and have like 85 or RBI or two or something like that? 87, RBI. 87 running RBI. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So he, he was scoring runs. He was getting on base. He was driving them in. Yeah. He's been a key cog. Yeah. Muncie hit 36 team. home runs and drove in 94 and scored 95 with a 370 OBP. Like they're, they're valuable to the team. They're not Muncie, just going to drop these guys. Right. Muncie has been in, actually insanely. I think he had like 35 or 36 home runs in like four straight seasons, taking out the 2020 season, obviously. But he's been very consistent up until this year. I think he still was battling the elbow issue. But like I said, he's turning it around lately. But then the, the follow-up question there, what should we do with Miguel Vargas in redraft leagues with a ton of fab on him? Yeah, you're probably not alone there. <laughs> I think a lot of us. I, I didn't. I, I've been kind of avoiding you know, I picked him up in some leagues where it's just like, you know, daily transaction type of leagues, some of my home leagues. But 
you know, I, I didn't really go big on, I think I threw some bids in the Vargas and get him anywhere in weekly fab leagues. I don't know. I, I don't think he's back up immediately. I think it's going to take injury again. Like he was caught up for a little bit. What Turner was on the IL. That's probably what it's going to take. They'll probably bring him up for the postseason as an extra bat off the bench. But in terms of fantasy value this year, I don't know if there's going to be a ton of it. Yeah. I mean, they just, even when he was up and Turner was not playing, he wasn't playing. Like, yeah, I think he had like three starts out of like a week he was up or whatever it was. Yeah. He, he started two games. Oh, two. So, okay. Yeah. How about that time? I'm sorry, but for redraft, I just don't think he has any value. Yeah, unfortunately. I wish he did, but I don't think so. Actually, another one here has a Dodger in the question, or at least mentioned. A few pitchers to buy low on that could be solid contributors down the stretch. For example, I'm holding Dustin May for the potential. Absolutely hold Dustin May. I tweeted about him earlier. He just had another rehab start yesterday in Oklahoma City AAA. It was five innings, three hits, one run, one walk, eight Ks or something like that, 44% whiff. 37% 37% CSW, if I remember my tweet from earlier today. Yeah, he is, I think Dustin May is an ace. He, I think he's fantasy ace by mid-2023. Obviously, I'm not expecting that this year. That'd be foolish. They're going to limit his innings, obviously. I don't. We don't 100% know how many innings he's going to pitch, but yeah, Dustin May, definitely hold on to him as I pull up my SP rankings here. Anybody Anybody jump off the, uh, you know, off, off the top of your head of a good buy low here, Chris? For... I think, I mean, you know, just just for pitchers. Yeah, for any – I'm trying to think for, like, Dynasty, like, any arm coming back from injury, like Glass now. McCullers. McCullers is a good one. Like, all these guys that are coming back from injury, I'd say, are good buys. And, obviously, like, the May hype is going to be coming quick. So, if you're going to get – I mean, I would say it's already really hyped. So, if you're going to get May, I think you need to – do it sooner than later, honestly. I was trying to look at any other guys that would be decent options. I, I, I got a couple of names here that I'm, I'm just looking through my uh, my top 100 starting pitcher rankings that I do every week on, on fan tracks. Mm-hmm. I think Josiah Gray is a good buy low right now. The the ERA and whip, like the ratios have been bloated, but he's striking out a ton of batters right now. I still believe in the stuff. Maybe he'll never be a great ratios guy. But he's already showing really good swing and miss stuff. So if he can just get down to even like a four ERA, he could have some pretty solid value. And I think you can get him for pretty cheap right now. Aaron Ashby, I is one he's one I struggle with. We we've talked about the stuff with Ashby. It's so good. He gets ground balls, he misses bats, all of that. But even when he his good starts, he still have like a one point five ERA in that start. And they look at over his uh, his last 30 games, I think he had an ERA of like 3.6 or something like that, or 30, 30 days, excuse me. But his whip was like 1.7 something. It's just puts too many guys on base. It's it's frustrating. And the inconsistencies start to start week to week, month to month. And I don't know if I want to buy low on Ashby or maybe this is what he is. I don't know. I struggle with Aaron Ashby. Yeah, for sure. Could James Paxton like see anything left in the tank? I, I do He's on the Red Sox, so the answer is no. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> Everything sky is falling here in Boston. Or uh, Maine, but. Jack Flaherty and Walker Bueller. I think. Yeah, if you if you can get them on discounts for sure. But is, is Flaherty like the pitching version of Buxton? Like a lot of talent, but just never healthy. You know, he's had so <laughs> many random injuries recently. It's possible. So he's a tough one. Yeah, you know, it just depends on what you want to do with him. I guess if you're willing to take on that risk or not, but. Here's one for you, Chris. Who would you, if you had the buy low on one of these two arms right now, both young, both a lot of upside, what a bit of inconsistencies lately, would you rather buy low on Michael Kopech 
or Mackenzie Gore? Probably Kopech. I think it's weird though. I was digging into Kopech last week for my, as I mentioned him in last week's article. And I, I, where does the whiff, like where's the swing and miss gone with him? Like he's a guy that's always, no matter if he was a starter reliever, always missed a ton of bats. And this year, even like he's always had the big slider and a good curveball. Those, I think the slider whiff rate was like 20 something percent. That's just very uncopec. Like his K rate is well below 20% this year. So I'm just puzzled. And the walk rates again has been creeping up over 10%. Gore has shown more. I still like Kopech, but I'm just very kind of curious where the strikeout stuff has gone. Yeah, it is interesting. You have to wonder, like, because he's always been a big strikeout type. Like, what is he, you know, is he holding something back to try to gain something else? Possibly. Because the command was always kind of a concern, and he's still, you know, walking a decent amount, but the strikeouts are just not there. And that's bizarre to me. You look at what the changes from last year, his four seam had a 31% whiff rate last year. It's down to 25.4 this year. Slider was 36% whiff rate last year. This year at 19.4 curveball, 30.8 dropped to 24.7. So those are pretty significant drops of, of whiffs there, especially the slider, like a slider should have a much higher whiff rate than 19.4%. So I don't really know exact reason. Admittedly, I haven't watched Kopech pitch a ton this year. So I don't know. I'd have to go dig into that a little more because it is interesting to think about. Yeah, so I'll rattle off some other names here real quick as I scroll down my spreadsheet. Shane Boz, if some if the person that has Shane Boz in your league is worried about the injuries, you can get him for a discount. I'm still like all yeah, I think he has fantasy ace upside there. And yeah, the injuries are concerning for sure, but this would be a good time to, to buy low on him. His price ne- might never be lower. I would still if the price is low enough, maybe go after Trevor Rogers or, or Ian Anderson. I think they're both maybe not quite as good as we thought they could have been, you know, maybe entering this year or even last year, but they're definitely better than this. So if, if the price is right on either of those two, I think they, they are both solid buys right now. Brayon Bayo, I think it's a solid buy. Obviously, the you know the first handful of starts haven't been great. He's he's you know hurt as well. But he's a guy I saw live a few times. I really trust what I saw. I think he's gonna be a very good like high end number three starter in the major league level. So he's another one. You know, maybe a couple of Mets. You know. Tyler McGill, I think, is good value right now. David Peterson is a solid value, too. That's probably it, though. Yeah, that's, I think there's, there's a lot of good names there for sure. Any uh, any others you want to add, Chris, before we move on? No, I think that's that hit most of the ones that I was thinking of. So. All right. Better dynasty hold for next year, Luis Campizano or Cal Raleigh? Alec Burleson or Emmanuel Valdez. So kind of a two-parter there. I'll go Burleson just because I think though both, you know, both Burleson and Valdez are pretty similar. They've had really good years in the upper minors. Both don't have a clear path to playing time. Valdez, who knows where he ends up. Burleson, obviously there's a ton of guys like Burleson in that org in St. Louis. So, but I will lean Burleson and I'll go Campizano. I'm not the biggest Campizano guy, but I just have a better feel for him being a, a solid hitter than Raleigh. Raleigh's got the power, but where's the where's the average at long term? I don't think it's that high. 
Yeah, I'm gonna go with Raleigh because I don't trust the Padres to play Campiano. Like, yeah, that's, that's they, fair. <laughs> they should trade him. I mean, they have. I'm uh, surprised. I'm surprised they didn't. I'm, I was shocked when he wasn't in the Soto deal. I know. I mean, that would have made sense, but though I mean, they just Washington just got Keybert Ruiz last year, but they could have yeah. probably figured that out. There's like they could have DH'd one of them or something. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, the Padres have Austin Nola, who I. Th- think is under yeah i mean he's not free agent until 2026 and they have jorge alfaro as well and he's not a free agent until 2024 so i don't see campisano playing enough raleigh's been good he's been good enough you know at least from the power standpoint like his average is far from good but most catchers aren't so he's got the pop and i'll take raleigh and i think i'll take Burleson, even though I am worried about his playing time as well, he's another one that needs a trade to really open up that spot. And even with Bader being traded, there's still not a spot in the outfield for Burleson. Right. Gorman's kind of been locked in as the DH. So it's a hard path to playing time. And maybe Emmanuel Valdez finds a spot. And depending on what Boston does in the offseason, I really like the acquisition. I, I like Valdez a lot. And maybe there's a chance he could squeak in and find some playing time depending on how the offseason goes. So from a talent standpoint, I will take Burleson though. Yeah, that's right. It, it'd be interesting to see how Burleson and, and Valdez fit into their respective team's plans because they both can hit. Like, I think that's undeniable. They both got good bats. Just where do they fit into the uh, picture long-term? All right, let's think in one more here before we head out. What MLB guys are currently underperforming but could have a big last six weeks and improve value going into 2023. I mean, I think the first one that comes to my mind, this guy I already mentioned, but Max Muncy. I tweeted about him earlier today or on Wednesday when you're listening to this. In his last, uh, the last two weeks, 43 play appearances, 316, 372, 658, three home runs, walk rate 27% over the, the last two weeks, but we, he, we know he always walks a ton, so that, that'll go up. K rate down to 25.6%. That's much better. Not great, but better. 342 ISO, 429 WOBA. 95.5 average exit velo, 28.6 barrel rate, 60.7 hard hit rate, 8.7% swing and strike rate, 83 zone contact. So I think maybe he's finally, I don't I don't know. I've been speculating that the elbow was still kind of bothering him, or maybe he was just kind of reserved from it. But whatever it may be, last two weeks have looked a lot better. So I think we're in store for a pretty good last uh, month and a half here from Max Muncy. Yeah, I would say he's one. Matt Chapman's really come on strong. He has. So yeah. he's an interesting buy. I mean, he's still been striking out a, a decent bit, but somehow managing to hit you know three hundred plus since the All Star break with plenty of power. Hunter Renfro's been displaying some good power recently. Anthony Santander, he's going to continue to fly under the radar, but he popped up on my latest Statcast article looking at the combo of contact plus ninety percentile EV plus line drive fly ball rate. And he was, I think, fifth or sixth on the list. And he's been extremely hot recently. He could provide some value. I'm just trying to look at some other names. I think Jonathan India, I mean, the metrics aren't great with him. But you know, I when I saw him, when I went down to Philly to visit friends, I saw the Phillies play the Reds. Like, India just looked like, maybe not a superstar, but he looked like a guy that's going to be an above average MLB player for a long time. And he's, you know, he's, he's shown a little bit better of, of late, but you know, obviously this, all the surface stats aren't the greatest right now, but I think India could have a solid end of the season and kind of rebuild some of that value as well. 
Yeah, I could see that for sure. He's he's one that's fallen a good bit. I think you can get pretty cheap at this point. Oh, absolutely. He he's a great dynasty buy right now. Absolutely. Yeah, I I think I think Pena Jeremy Pena is going to be. Uh, yeah, he's been struggling of late, but yeah, I believe in the in the tools there with Pena, and I think he's going to bounce back here. Like he's really been kind of. I have him on a lot of teams, so I know floundering a bit over the last eh, probably five six weeks or so. Average is down to two forty six, but. So it's 15 home runs, you know, six steals, 38 RBI, 44 runs scored. They're showing, you know, they're still running him out there basically every day. They, they show confidence in him to you know, work through this. So if you can get him for a little bit of a discount now, I probably would. I think he's going to be a very good fantasy option for a very long time. Yeah, well, those are all good options. Any any other names that jump out at here, here Chris, before we head out? Uh, not in particular. I think that's it's a wrap, man. It's a good show. Yeah, that was a really fun show. Thank you to everyone that submitted questions. There was a couple we couldn't get to here, but we'll try to answer those on Twitter or, or if, if you're on our Patreon, ask them there as well in, in the Discord channel. But that is going to wrap us up. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I'm at AirCross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ, Fantasy Pros, or over on our Patreon, of course. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care. Yeah.